Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. Football might be over, but NBA, college basketball, and the NHL are in full swing. And the only place you should be betting on these sports is at betonline.ag. BetOnline even covers awards, TV shows, and reality TV. BetOnline has hundreds of props with real-time odds on anything you can imagine. And of course, the 24-hour online casino. So head to the website or use your mobile device to sign up today and receive your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. That's betonline.ag. BetOnline, your online sportsbook experts. Hello, everybody. Uh, on a well, chilly, well, okay, March. I mean, February day. Welcome to another version of uh, Bill Roden on Sports. I'm here in Manhattan, in Harlem. And that's all I'll tell you. Uh, glad I was able to connect. Uh, got a stable connection. But uh, yeah, very excited to be with you guys. Joined by my co-host and friend, the great Jamal Murphy. Murph, what's going on? You know, just a, a lazy Saturday afternoon um, watching college basketball, watching these kids play for free. And while they, yeah, I can't do it. While they entertain, I can't. I can't do it. Like, I mean, yeah, I'm, I'm desperate for, for, you know, that's why I drive up and down the Palisades Parkway all day. But uh, I, I cannot. Uh, I just can't bring myself to watch the college, college stuff. Anyway. We're joined by, by a friend of the show, and actually we almost call him like a, a almost a co-host, uh, great judge, Glenn Woods, calling us from an undisclosed location in Connecticut. Uh, Glenn, judge. Yes, sir. Hello, Brother Bill, Brother Jamal. Great to see you guys. Great to be with you. Thank you for inviting me. It's always a pleasure. Uh I've spent the morning shoveling snow, running errands, rushed home to uh, be with you, and, and I'm uh, very pleased and proud to be here. Well, honored, but man, you got to give that show shoveling up, you know. <laughs> you must have been speaking to my wife, who wants to give it up totally. Yeah. I mean, there are plenty, aren't there some kids in the neighborhood? Uh, I haven't found them. <laughs> I, I got a big kid. He just it didn't happen to come around the house today. My my 25-year-old son, I was hoping he'd show up. He knew no, that. Yeah, he'll show up in, in April. He'll show up for dinner. That's what he's showing up for. Oh, man. No, man. Uh, but no, man, you put a big sign there. That's how, you know, growing up in Chicago, man, we live for days like this, man. We get up, have our crew, you know, make our little $15, $15. You know, thought we were, like, in heaven. Right. You know, one thing I want to talk to you about, Glenn, this is a relatively slow, you know, February is always kind of slow. Right. Uh, I'm writing this, uh, you know, um, ESPN slash, I guess, the, uh, they're doing a special on the 50th anniversary of the Frazier-Ali fight, March 8th, 1971. Believe it or not, this is going to be the 50th anniversary of that. And um, so I'm, you know, writing something about it. You know, it was... the you know, one of, I say, two fights in the century. But, but Glenn, you know, we were both in Morgan at the time. I think I was, uh, if it was February 8th, 1971, I think I was a junior. Uh, you were a freshman. Yes. I was in O'Connell Hall. You were in Baldwin Hall. Yes. And, and they, they kept asking me, man, were you there? Were you there? And I'm like thinking, I know I had to, to see it, but what, what do you remember of that, you know, of – not the fight itself. I know you went to see it at the Civic Center. I was with you, but what do you what do you remember of just of the uh, of the whole that whole era, that whole period of time? Well, I, the thing that I remember very well is how uh, I had gone to many um, bullet games um, before uh, that uh, famous night. Um, and uh, whenever you went to a bullet game, it was a it was sort of like an orderly process. Everyone knew how to go about uh, parking, 
um, uh, getting into the Civic Center, and it was a peaceful, ordinary process. The night of the fight, it just seemed like everyone was uh, uh, sort of out of sorts. It was um, it was really a I wouldn't say chaotic, but people were just uh, so excited, so um, uh, uncertain, um, and so thrilled that um, it was an atmosphere that was really borderline chaotic. I would say that, borderline chaotic. Um, it was exciting, but there was, there was almost fear in the air that these two great athletes uh, had come together to fight. Of course, uh, uh, Muhammad Ali uh, was really the greatest of them all, not just as a fighter, but as an athlete, and he was also at the time uh, uh, said to be the most recognizable face in the world. Mm. So um, this was a larger-than-life event. Wow. Uh, I Let think me... that's the way I would put it. It was a larger-than-life event. People just were not prepared for an event of this magnitude. But what, what made it so – I mean, I remember everything. I mean, as you talk about it, yeah, because we were all draft-eligible, I think, uh, right I think, were we still, they were still drafting people in 71? I believe so. I was, I was, I was uh, 17. So I was a, a bit under the draft age. Um, but I remember you, you older guys were. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we were all on pins and needles. <laughs> yeah, and, and, and our mutual friends, uh, our mutual friends and old classmates at Morgan, uh, Doug Torian and LaSalle Reynolds have great stories about their experiences regarding the draft, which I won't recite here right now. Uh, but um, I think you're right, Bill. Not only was it that one night, but it was the times that were leading up to that, that we were still enmeshed in a very uh, scary war. And as I said, uh, the one of the participants that evening was the best known human being on earth. It was more than just a, a, a good fight or a big fight. It was really a, a larger than life. Uh, his, you knew going in there that evening, uh, Bill, and I'm sure you felt the same way, that this was something that we were going to be talking about for the rest of our lives. Has there, has there been anything since then for you, if you think back on big moments in sports that you attended or watched that that uh, was you know in the in the ballpark of being the significant. Well, the, the one thing for me is uh, as Jam Jamal and I were talking earlier. Georgetown, North Carolina game. Jordan hit the win uh, the shot to uh, put North Carolina ahead, and uh, uh, Freddie Brown unfortunately threw the ball away uh, mistakenly to James Worthy. That was a, a larger-than-life event for me. Um, uh, but I think that uh, uh, this fight was probably uh, the biggest sporting event that I've ever uh, witnessed. Um, and, and I will say this, too. Uh, Bill, I don't know how you feel about it, but I often, now looking back in retrospect, I felt that uh, that was the beginning of the end for both of these uh, uh, gentlemen as far as their boxing careers go, and as far as them living healthy uh, uh, lives. I felt that they unfortunately uh, uh, physically destroyed each other uh, in wow. those three fights, um, uh, particularly in the first fight when Joe Frazier knocked Ali down in the uh, late round, uh, in the 13th round. No, 15, 15. 15. He beat yeah, him up he in, knocked, the 11th and knocked in the eleventh, and then he they slipped. They said he slipped on water in the eleventh. Yeah, after after taking a hit, so they didn't they didn't count it as a knockdown. Yeah, and and frankly, uh, and I'm biased about that. I have a a, a mixed issue with this. My wife uh, was raised in North Philadelphia, spent her uh, high school years in North Philadelphia, and her aunt, uh, one of her relatives, her aunt lived around the corner from Joe Frazier's gym oh, on wow. Street in Philadelphia. I used to drive by it all the time. I always said I was going to 
go in there. And um, so I felt, in a, and I was born in Philadelphia, so I felt okay. an allegiance to Joe Frazier. But uh, Ali was Ali. He was a larger-than-life figure. I still, uh, to this day, uh, Bill, believe that uh, Ali won that fight, that it was, that, that it was taken from him. Because the first fight? Yes. Even with even with the knockdown? Even with the knockdown. He 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 just he destroyed Frazier, man. Fra uh Joe Frazier was was beat to a pulp. And I didn't think it was an even fight. I thought Ali had uh was uh was leading until he got knocked down. I didn't feel the knockdown was uh uh influential enough to carry the day for Joe Frazier. But to tell you the truth. Uh, I was obviously biased towards Ali, as mm. most of us were, unfairly uh, so towards Joe Frazier. But as I said, I have a Philly uh, um, background, and uh, my wife has a North Philly background. I understood uh, uh, how Joe Frazier felt about uh, the bias that he naturally felt. But I still, uh, I still contend that the first fight especially – but all three of those fights physically destroyed these two men. Mm -hmm. um, and uh, I thought they were just that brutal. George Plimpton wrote a, a famous piece in Sports Illustrated uh, um, not long after that fight that Ali refused, that they wanted Ali to be uh, put in a uh, uh, entered into a hospital after that. Uh, and he refused to go in uh, because he did not want it said that Joe Frazier put him in the hospital after the fight. So it was the greatest sporting event I ever, I believe I ever saw. Um, but uh, I also, looking back now, uh, I, I think that fight combined with two other fights really destroyed these two men. Uh, well, politi politically though, uh, Glenn, why, and I've been trying to put my finger on this. Um, there, there, there's so many thoughts. I mean, I think that there are two fights of the century. I think Jack Johnson, Jim Jeffries, uh, which spawned the whole great white hope thing, was clearly the first fight of the century. Uh, we interviewed somebody who was maybe at the time, uh, she may have been a little girl at that time at the fight, but she just remembers just how it, it was just so, I mean, it was everything, that fight for the black community, to have this guy, Jack Johnson, who was the first black heavyweight champion and it was just so if you would imagine the, the plight of black people in 1910 you know if you think it's terrible now right. and to have this bodacious black men and white people were thinking that their existence was on the line that their way of life was on the line that this black man that, that they were calling jim jeffries to save the white man save the white race here's this guy cavorting with white women and and just you know living this life this free life that, that black people couldn't even imagine. I remember talking to Major Taylor's daughter and Major Taylor, who was a great cyclist. You know, he was a great cyclist. He may have been like the first black international star. And this guy was, you know, Major Taylor was very from Boston, Matthew, very conservative guy, very religious and all that. And she said, my dad would never invite, he would not invite Jack Johnson to our house for dinner, but he loved, he just admired <laughs> Jack Johnson because of, you know, being a black man, living that kind of life that Ali couldn't have lived a life like that. So to me, that was a first fight of the century. Right. Um, but then you, you go up to Ali Frazier for so many other reasons. What about Frazier? I mean, where does he fit into all this? Was he just, I mean, he, you know, we know who Ali was, right? He was political. He was, he basically was the catapult to what we know now as black activism. You know, using your thing you know, from him, you could trace the line from him to Tommy Smith, John Carlos, probably to Colin Kaepernick, right? You could, that's a through line there. But what about Frazier? How would you describe, just, just an ordinary black guy, just kind of salt of the earth or, you know, well, Uncle Tom, or he just, it was just his misfortune to be born in the same era as Muhammad Ali. I, I think I, I think it's what you just said. I think Joe Frazier had the misfortune of, uh, of fighting uh, the most popular uh, uh, athlete 
uh, of the 20th century. Now, looking back in retrospect, and uh, uh, I always felt that was unfair to Joe Frazier. Uh, he had a, a, a fine family. In fact, he had a, a daughter who became a well-known lawyer in Philadelphia. His son, uh, Marvis, had a successful uh, um, uh, boxing career, which he uh, um, uh, ended um, uh, uh, by his own choice. Yeah. Probably uh, because of uh, the sacrifices that his father and his mother made for him. Yeah. Um, uh, I, I, I always felt that uh, that was unfair to Joe Frazier uh, and that Joe Frazier was a fine person. He wasn't as captivating as Muhammad Ali, but uh, no one was. And, um, and particularly someone with a Philly background, I was um, always uh, concerned about Joe Frazier, but um, uh, he was going up against uh, Muhammad Ali, the greatest of them all. What did, what, did you, what did you think about both of you? What did you think of, what was your impression of Frazier as he was coming up? You know, in those years where, you know, 67, I guess, is, is when um, they, they exiled Muhammad Ali. So I, in you those, know, I had no sense to him. I don't no, know about you, Glenn. He, had, no he, was 20, he was 26 and 0 with 23 knockouts coming into that. So you didn't have, he wasn't on the radar? Not my radar. Well, well I, I remembered him. Uh, he was a hard hitter. Hadn't he beaten George Foreman before the Ali fight? No, no. Was after. that after? Oh, no, Foreman beat him. Excuse oh, me. For, Foreman destroyed him. Yeah, right? Foreman destroyed him. Not, not Foreman beat him. destroyed him. Destroyed exactly. Him. I'm sorry. Foreman destroyed him. Uh, so, strike that. Um, uh, but I do remember uh, hearing of uh, uh, Joe Frazier uh, uh, prior to the Ali fight. Um, you have to remember, Jamal, we didn't have uh, ESPN and Fox Sports and all this stuff. Uh, and right. there was no social media. Right. So uh, uh, whatever you got was um, you had to search either, for it. either through a newspaper or for, or through uh, uh, the uh, six o'clock or uh, 11 o'clock sports, you know, on, on, on TV. So um, uh, I, I tend to agree with Bill that I didn't have a real good feeling for him, but he had beaten a couple of good fighters. Um, uh, before uh, Ali, and so the build-up. Oh, he beat Jimmy Ellis, because remember, Glenn. James Ellis. Jimmy, because remember, and this is, I think this, this is what the problem was. You know, Ali was stripped of his title. Right. He was he was sentenced to jail. He was stripped of his license, and so they had a a couple of tournaments for who would who would take step fill the void. And so Frazier basically filled the void. And remember, that was Ali's whole campaign, that he was a people's champion. So, right. so Frazier just couldn't win. I mean, what we knew of Frazier was that he was against Ali. I mean, that, that's how he knew Frazier, that, that he was not Ali. And he was a guy, he was a white man's guy and, and all that, you know. And um, you're right. So, so that's why, I mean, Ali just sucked up all the oxygen. So at the time... You first hear this fight is announced, right? You is it? It's just the fact that Frazier was the current champion. That's all of Frazier's claim to fame and all his value was was just that he was the current champion, and Ali had a chance to take back what was rightfully his. Was that basically? Yeah, I mean, Fra Frazier was doomed. Frazier was doomed because my whole existence, man, my first thing of heavyweight championship boxing was you know floyd patterson you know floyd patterson uh you know being the, you know, the youngest guy and then he lost ingomar johansson and then he won a store floyd patterson was you know the civil rights negro you know president kennedy said yeah no this is a whatever so that was my sort of thing and then sonny liston so this was probably had to be like 1958 59 you know, and, and I'm sure my father, who was not, you know, they were, there was talk about Patterson. So that was my first thing. Okay, Floyd Patterson. And then you had Sonny Liston, who came on the scene, who, even white people, no, not now, no, because he was a con, he was an inmate and kind of like a rough guy. And, 
And th- to me, that was the first thing of, you know, it always like with Jack Jack it was always like a black guy versus a white guy. But now you had two black guys, you know, two black guys. And Sonny Liston was the kind of guy, no, not that guy, you know, tough and all that. And so Ali came on my screen in, I guess it was, uh, was it 64? When, when he fought Liston. In Lewiston, and, Maine. And, yeah, Lew- no, uh, no, 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 no. He fought Liston the first time in Miami. That's right. In, in Miami. In Miami, exactly. And, 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 and that's remember, what that, the current movie is all exactly, about. Exactly, about right, One right. Night in Miami. Right. And my whole thing was, I remember going to this white, you know, I was like in seventh or eighth grade, this white Catholic school. And all these white kids were just Ali, I mean, Clay. And and Clay, they just hated Clay because he was talking so much and talking trash and rhyming. And a lot of my peers, <laughs> these white kids, just were like, you know, no, man, uh-uh, no. And and they are talking about Liston was going to kill him and Liston was going to kill him. And even my father, we must have listened to the fight that night. And I remember we were in Phoenix, Illinois. And I remember my father, we were about to listen to the fight. And so he put on his coat. He put on his coat and his hat and was hat said, where are you going? He said, I'm going out in the yard. I said, why? He said, to catch clay. Because <laughs> 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 that was the general feeling that Liston was going to knock this cat all the way from Miami to like right. Chicago. Right. And so, you know. At that time, at that time, when, uh, you know, Cassius Clay, uh, he wasn't he wasn't political yet. Right. At- no. Well, yes. Well, well, what had happened, we didn't know it. And this is why a lot of older black people got freaked out. We didn't really know it. But after the fight, he started talking about Nation of Islam, black call You know, I'm a black Muslim. Right. And after for a lot fight. of. Yeah. After that fight. And so uh, after the fight. So for a lot of black folks, man, I was like, no, you're black Muslim. You're white devils. So no, man, no, no. This cat. We I would say for most, bad. Bill, wouldn't you say for most of America, that uh, there was uh, a real uh, concern uh, about uh, this young guy, Cassius Clay, and uh, uh, and his, uh, first of all, uh, his talk. I mean, he talked a whole lot of mess. Right. And, uh, uh, there, he was just the opposite, as you're saying, of of all of his predecessors. Exactly. Except Jack Joe Johnson. Lewis Except and, Jack uh, Johnson. Except Jack Johnson. Except Jack Johnson. Uh, Joe Lewis and uh, uh, Floyd Patterson and Sonny Liston. Well, Liston uh, couldn't talk. All of these. What do you uh, mean by that? What do you yeah, mean by he, he couldn't, couldn't talk? talk? I mean, he, he, you know, he, he didn't have what you call the gift of gab. Okay, okay. Right. okay. <laughs> um, to be polite. And so when, uh, when uh, Cassius Clay came on the scene, this was just a whole new uh, experience, not just um, – for, for everyone, regardless of race. And uh, he was, once again, um, he was way ahead of his time. He was way ahead of his time. Eventually, particularly after he was uh, not able to fight for several years, the whole world came and supported him. Uh, he, he won over the world. Uh, unfortunately for Joe Frazier, it was a very perilous time and it, it was a time in which uh, a lot of people were able to identify with Ali as they watched him uh, travel through the years. But remember, Glenn, you know, he wasn't he didn't he didn't he did not win over the whole world. Because remember, there were a lot of folks who hated him when he did not when he did not uh, uh, take that step forward for the draft. Oh, I agree. There are I, a lot of people like I think maybe you said I think maybe your father or my father, people, black folks who had served. In the military, man, they were like, "Wait a minute, what you know? What, you know, they they and a black Muslim." I was like, "Wait a minute, man, that's it's like too much." Oh yeah, and that's not just uh, white Americans; that's black Americans. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, exactly. We're very exactly. concerned about this cat. Yeah. Um, uh, but <clears throat> I think as time went on, as he um, um, uh, while he was in exile, people really began to uh, empathize, sympathize. And identify with him. Uh, I remember, uh, Bill, while we were at um, uh, uh, Morgan, I remember my father taking my younger brothers to see him speak 
at Wesleyan University here in Connecticut. And they were one of the few, uh, uh, my family was one of the few black people in the audience. And afterwards, uh, Ali went up to my father and, uh, uh, and uh, said, oh, you must be a, a professional, uh, <laughs> the way you look and the way you're dressed, uh, and, and shook his hand. And I think he had that quality that was endearing to people, uh, which grew um, on, uh, on, on everybody. Uh, in, especially, um, uh, specifically, uh, initially African Americans, and then uh, uh, later the country at large. And, and remember, and this was during his exile that that I think people really began to, I, everyone began to identify with him to the point where he became the most, uh, uh, as I said uh, earlier, the um, uh, most popular. Uh, most recognized face in the world. Well, you know, that's our national roots, right? Our national root, we love the, the bandits. We love the, 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 uh, the, the uh, renegade. Uh, you know, even if you, even if you didn't like Ali, and, and that begins to be the problem with Frazier, like most of us. Frazier, like you said, solid guy, family man, Christian value, all that kind of stuff, but he didn't really risk anything. I mean, he did not... He, he represented the status quo like most of us, you know, and so he didn't really. So, but when Ali gets, Ali gets, you know, he stands for something. Number one, he stands for something. And then he gets stripped. You know, he gets sentenced by the Supreme court, you know, then gets stripped of his license. Then he gets stripped of his title and has his exile. At the same time, a lot of young white kids were like, shit, man, we don't want to go to army either. We don't want to go to a damn Vietnam. Right. So you got this guy, the most pop, like you said, Glenn, the most popular, most recognizable black person, certainly on earth, probably even more than Dr. King. I'd yeah. say, right. you know, I'd say even more than Dr. King, right. you know, uh, and doing nonviolent and that kind of stuff. So I think that even for people who may not like them, a lot of people respecting him. So, well, all right. He stands for some, I hate his ass. But he's taking a stand, like Kaepernick. Like Kaepernick. Like people say, well, we don't like him, but shit, he's he didn't risk his career. Right, and and also I deal in gross understatement when I say the following: that Ali was blessed with great communication skills. <laughs> yeah, you know? yeah. I right. mean, uh, uh, he just had a way that, and he was he was handsome. He was. Right. Uh, 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 he knew how to communicate. He was a great communicator. And um, uh, and remember, Dr. King, unfortunately, died in 1968. Right. So um, uh, from there on out, uh, uh, Ali uh, uh, was the most recognized face in the world. And, um, and Joe Frazier was a hardworking guy um, uh, who didn't, did not have was not blessed with the um, communicating ability that uh, Muhammad Ali had. Um, and as I look back on it, he suffered as a result. Th those were two fine men pitted against each other, who, who I, uh, I hate to uh, uh, add a negative uh, uh, to this, but who I still feel to this day destroyed each other. They were never the same. Uh, neither was the sa same after that. Um, did, did you feel that at the time, or or how, or how long after that did you start to to come to that? I would say for myself, um, it was later on. It was later on. I would say at the conclusion of Ali's career, um, uh, when he uh, uh, you know he lost the fight to Ken Norton. He lost. Uh, didn't Leon Spinks, the, uh, who just sadly passed. Uh, uh, oh, he, Leon Spinks beat him, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. He, Leon Spinks beat him, and um, uh, uh, and God, God rest Leon Spinks' soul. He just passed in the last couple of weeks. Um, at that point, uh, it was clear that Ali was not um, what he was, and uh, and Joe Frazier uh, struggled. He uh, 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 Bill, of course, uh, refreshed my recollection that uh, George Foreman really. Uh, uh, beat the heck out of him. Oh, uh, it was brutal. 
two two it was, times. It was very sad. It was, it was, it was awful. Sad. I mean, it was a great fight. There. I mean, it was. I mean, just from I was watching last <laughs> night, and I remember just from a, and I felt bad because you know I, I don't know how you guys feel when you watch. I mean, and so the guilty pleasure when you watch these brutal fights and there's something inside you like a great hit in football and you'd be like, yikes, you know, and you feel, damn, I'm not supposed to really feel this right. way, you know, like, but the fight with Foreman and Frazier, man, that was he, like four or five knockdowns, but one where the first one where he hit this cat so hard and remember Frazier was kind of going yeah, away from him. he kind of danced away from him, yeah. And, but he hit him again. He caught and him knocked, again. And then the other one where he hit him and lifted him up. Yeah, that's my father used to always tell me that story where he lifted him up. Oh, I mean, brutal. There's a great documentary, man. If you go to YouTube, there's a series of documentaries. One is um, Ali Frazier, One Nation Divisible. Great documentary. Then another one uh, called Great Heavyweight Fights. Sort of a rare, a rare documentary of all like Braddock, uh, Dempsey. You know, I mean, just really puts this shit in perspective, you know, uh, in context, which when you watch all that stuff, it, it ends with Tyson. You realize that Ali was probably the last great heavyweight champion. I want to take a brief moment to talk about our newest sponsor, eBay. Whether rare dead stock or the latest release, find the exact shoe you're looking for. As the original sneaker marketplace, eBay is the place to go to cop the pair you've been eyeing. With eBay's authenticity guarantee, your sneakers are meticulously inspected by independent professional authenticators. A team of experienced sneaker authenticators verify the box, logo, stitching, and dozens of other inspection points. Each sneaker also receives an authenticity guarantee tag that includes a digital stamp of authenticity. And it also protects sellers with a verified return process. And for sneaker sellers out there, eBay has eliminated the selling fees on sneakers $100 plus, making it free to sell or flip your collection. So go to ebay.com slash sneakers today. eBay, the world's best destination for discovering great value and unique selection. Mm. Bill, did, uh, you ever meet, did, you ever, did you ever get a chance to uh, meet him or uh, converse with him? I did. I did once, you know, once uh, when I was at Ebony Magazine, uh, my friend Greg Sims, <laughs> some reason Greg, who great who wrote for Jet, and great boxing writer, some reason he and Ali formed a friendship, you know. And I remember once Greg said he he rode with Ali and and uh, Veronica Porsche in their van down to Cincinnati. For some reason they invited Greg, you know, and and then Greg said, "Come on, man, I'm going." And when he came upstairs, when he said, "Come on, man, I'm going over to the Champ's house." Where he lived, he lived like you know in a high park, you know. And I'm like, all right, I just all right. And with that man, and I, I did not know what the fuck to say. I was just, I remember sitting in the kitchen, <laughs> just standing in the kitchen. I remember like a birdcage, some, and I, I didn't know what the fuck to say, man. I, I was, I didn't know what to say. I mean, I wasn't a jerk, but. I didn't, you know, I mean, what am I going to say? I, I had no questions, nothing. Then the last time was um, at the Sydney Olympics, in the Sydney Olympics. And he was there. And uh, I was invited to whatever suite up, way up. And this is when the, uh, the uh, what, it really kicked in, you know, his, um, with the disease that Parkinson's. ultimately took him. Mm -hmm. I really took, so I went all the way up there. So he was there. And again, I was still the same, but now here I'm like 30, whatever, and now a you know, seasoned journalist. I've been around all kinds of motherfuckers, you know. Uh, you know, at least no, you know, and but still in his presence, I still kind of know it. So I said, Hey, um, hey, Mahaba, you know, then he said, like, what's your name? And I said, uh, no, my name is Bill. He said, No, what's your name? And I kind of like just because what he was saying. Is that that ain't your name? Right. But I said, my name is Bill Roy. I said, no, he said, what's your name? You know, and I was like, oh man, I kind of laughed because what he was saying, even then, was like, no, that ain't your name. That's your slave name, right. and all that. And so that was my last interaction. But I, I, I may have even written some just about that. How he just even then he put me in my place. 
when he said, what's your name? And I like, Bill Wright, he said, that ain't your name. I mean, what's your name? And, as, and, and remember, and that was his whole thing about when he changed the black people, you know, that whole thing. So those were my um, uh, interactions. But I don't, I don't think I ever really met Joe Frazier. Mm-hmm. Uh, but after watching a documentary came, Joe Frazier, When the Smoke Clears. And I realized that I, had, I think you brought this up earlier, Glenn. I never had given him his full credit for being a human being. Right. It was like, you know, he had all these values. Nothing wrong with Joe Frazier. Right. You know. Yeah, he but, just had the misfortune of uh, encountering uh, 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 the greatest boxer of our, of our lifetime. Um, uh, and the interesting thing about Muhammad Ali is, I don't know if you remember this, Bill. Jamal, you might know this. Crisis Magazine, the uh, magazine for the NAACP, many years ago, I remember my parents had it, and boy, do I wish I had held on to it, uh, traced Muhammad Ali's roots oh, wow. in Kentucky uh, and, uh, uh, and traced it back to a uh, uh, slave uh, owner in Louisville, in the Louisville area. I believe his name was Cassius Clay. Yes. Wow. Yeah. And um, there's been a lot of history surrounding uh, this uh, larger than life figure. But as I said, my roots are in Philly. And I think it was uh, uh, in, say, in the last 20 or 30 years that um, I really uh, uh, started to pay more attention to uh, Joe Frazier, uh, despite the fact, as, as Bill has uh, so well pointed out uh, the significance that we um, felt from uh, uh, as a result of uh, this uh, huge uh, uh, persona of uh, Muhammad Ali. But I, I, the first fight beforehand was the biggest sporting event that I have ever witnessed. And afterward, it, uh, we were not cheated. It was a great, great event. It was a fabulous fight. I still say to this day that Muhammad Ali, despite uh, the knockdown, I still say he won the fight. And I also say that looking back in retrospect, uh, uh, that those three fights um, uh, really uh, destroyed or drained the lives of both of these uh excellent, unbelievable uh, athletes. But I was thinking too, though, to wrap this up, um, as much as I, you know, that that fight with, uh, see, there are two things. I think, you know, so much added to Ali's legend. Remember, some of his greatest fights happened after his exile. After he spent those, you know, they whipped him, they flogged him, they stripped him, he came back, and he had some of his greatest moments after that, uh, the fight with Frazier, the thrill of Manila. But then to me, one of the, to me, one of the greatest fights was when he beat Foreman. Exactly. Because Foreman, I mean, people that this guy will never lose. I mean, he was like, and people were, me too. I said, I'm like, please don't fight this guy. Please, Ollie, please don't fight George Foreman because he's just going to totally, you know, just kill you. And I remember we watched that fight at Ebony Magazine. You know, Mr. Jolly had some kind of cables and me and Nip and some guy, we were watching that fight and it was an event. And we were thinking we were actually going to like a wake that, that this was going to be it, you know, because, you know, Foreman, man, you know. and That's where he, he employed the rope-a-dope. The rope-a-dope. <laughs> the rope-a-dope, you know. And I'm like, man, I felt, I felt then like I felt when I watched Tom Brady later on take, take, uh, uh, um, the Patriots from 28-3, losing 28-3 to beating the Atlanta Falcons, you know, like in the Super Bowl, <laughs> you know, one of the greatest comebacks. In the, and that's why when I watched Ali, I said, man, I mean, shit, this is how people must have felt when he beat Sonny Liston. But to, 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 to pull that shit off, man, to beat Sonny Liston when you were like 22. Right. Now here you are, whatever, third, whatever, and you still doing this shit. You still pulling rabbits out of hat. To me, again, so it's not just with Joe, it's not just with Joe Frazier being overshadowed, but he was, 
he happened to be the heir to one of the greatest motherfuckers in the history of boxing. <laughs> right. You know, you know, so. One of the things that was interesting to me, I mean, he, he, Muhammad Ali, for, for, you know, after the loss to Frazier said, you know, he was on that, on that uh, message about, you know, I didn't really lose. It was the white man stole it from me. He was on that. The, the, I just want to, for historical uh, perspective, the actual scorecard was the three judges had Frazier, one had Frazier 9-6, one had Frazier 11-4, one had Frazier 8-6-1 in rounds. So it was pretty convincing loss on the on the scorecard. He never accepted it. Um, kind of, it was weird in a weird way. Like it kind of reminded me of Trump. How he didn't he right, exactly. <laughs> he was he that was mean, like no 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 that di that didn't happen. It didn't happen. Right. Well, I mean, if you look at that round eleven, man. I mean, Frazier. I mean, Frazier beat him up. Mm -hmm. You know. You know. I mean, he 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 applied some punch. But I'm not quiver. I don't know. Glenn was there. You know. Looking at through his Ali Ali tinted glasses. Exactly. exactly. I'll admit it. I'll admit it. <laughs> but do you think that the the loss to that loss that night to Frazier may have helped his his like in the long run helped his legacy in any way? Yeah, uh, Ali's. Yeah. What do you think, Bill? Uh, yeah, yeah. Because you know, I mean, the thing, and you know, after covering sports for so long, man. Every great performance, you need somebody else. The reason you're great is because you need a great performance by your adversary. You know, if it wasn't for your adversary, you, then you couldn't be, if you were just running over people, but you need... Everyone needs a foil, is that yeah, what you're saying? Yeah, everybody needs a great foil. You know, yeah. like I tell my friend, you know, Mark Mark Washington is a very good right. friend of mine. Right. And we always talk about that Super Bowl game where Lynn Swan made those like four right. exceptional catches, but Lynn Swan needed a Mark Washington to be like right there, I'm so sure he Mark make... appreciates your remembering him <laughs> this way right now, Bill. Well, <laughs> I've actually written about it. I mean, because you know, that's, that's one of those things where Mark. By I the mean, way, if Mark Washington is listening, I need to meet you, man, because Coach Brute Wilson oh always wanted me to put, always wanted to put me together with him. And 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 he was never able to do it. So, Bill, you got to help me with that at some point. Oh yeah, I want to meet Mark Washington. Oh, absolutely, absolutely, we'll make Co that happen. Coach Brute always talked about Mark Washington. But why so do you I want to meet this guy? Why do you want you guys to meet? I know he he always felt it was somebody he wanted me to talk with. No, so, you, uh, I'll, um, I'll I'll hook you guys up. Good. He, good. He, would love, he would love to meet you. I, love but to meet Jamal, you. let me say this. I think back then, and Bill is, this is what I, I, Bill is saying. This guy was large. He, he, he was just the, he was the world at that time. Uh, he was bigger than, than Jordan has, was ever, has ever been. I mean, he was just huge. He was, as I said, he was the most recognizable face in the world. He was the best known human being in the world. And um, uh, for him to come back from exile, which most people said he would never return, right? And for him to be successful, I still think, uh, and and I know I'm biased. Back then, after that fight, I don't know if Bill remembers it. There was a great hue and cry that uh, people honestly, objectively felt that there was bias in the, in the, uh, by the judges because they didn't want right. this guy to win. Right. Um, but uh, you just have to understand that this guy was a cultural hero. I hate the term, not that I hate the term, term that is always used as icon. Um, uh, this guy was larger than life. And, uh, uh, and, and, and during that time, he was at his peak. So whatever he did was huge. And this fight, its results, it, the world stopped. The world stopped for this fight. The other two fights, Bill, I didn't see the second one. Uh, uh, that night I had a class in law school and I couldn't attend. And the third one was, it, it, was, it wasn't, it, 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 I, I don't remember it being. Well, for uh, me, 
For me, and man, he, that, that third fight, man, honestly, was one of the greatest fights I ever saw. You felt that, huh? Oh, my God. I mean, if you, if you take away, because there, there was no political shit around it. It was just ball. <laughs> it was just ball. It was a third and rubber match. Yeah. And I remember watching it and, and Howard Cosell, I remember on the Wide World of Sports, they, right. they showed the fight. With, and brother, watch that fight. Even watch it. I showed it to some young cats, man. But I don't remember it being that close a fight. I, I think Ali it was won brutal. That. It was just brutal. The third <laughs> fight. Cats, the third fight, the thriller. I mean, what these cats, I think that's the fight because Ali collapsed in the ring afterwards. He collapsed in the ring because it was it was like and and Ali, and, and Frazier, Frazier who never quits. I remember that his his manager, um, it was a Yank Durham whatever, but they they show. He was on the bench, and, and, and he looked up at the ref, and he said, no. He said, no more, no more. Right. I, I mean, yeah. And, and Ali got up to kind of do but he was like, and I remember that if you listen to this fight, there was once when Frazier landed a punch, and you heard Boudini about say, ow, you hear it. Yeah. He hit Ali in the ribs, and Boudini said, ow. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it was like brutal, man. I mean, I think I, I agree with you that they basically destroyed each other. Right. But I think had it had they just stopped after fight one, you know, everybody could have gone to the beach. You know, Ali could have gone into real estate or Frazier right. could have gone to the farm or something. Right. But right. it was after what Ali did after that. You know, that I mean that shit, man, that what he took to me. I remember after that, I went out after that fight. If you remember Foreman after he lost Ali, remember he did that exhibition in in, in Toronto where he fought like Six guys or something. Yeah. And and that was my first, probably the best story I ever wrote for Ebony. Me and Ozir, Ozir Muhammad, we went out to Liver his 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 uh his farm ranch in Livermore, California. And I stayed out there for three days and we did a, a piece on Foreman. And you know, he, first of all, when you drive up to the driver, he had a sign that says beware of dogs. But it turns out he had a lion and a tiger. <laughs> Who he was training with, <laughs> and, and I remember, man, why do you have a sign that beware dogs? You got a damn lion in the tiger. <laughs> but, but he said he explained, and it was really great because Foreman and I are the same age. In fact, his birthday is this month. But he was saying, man, he said that he said he, when when I, when when Ali beat me, he said I thought I was physically sick because he had convinced himself so thoroughly that there was no way that he was going to lose to this cat that he was going to take him apart. And that's why he fought six cats around him. He said, I thought, but then he started talking about Ali totally changed Foreman's concept of everything. Remember, that's when he started becoming uh, the George Foreman grill and big right. George. He said, right. Ali had the shit right all along. <laughs> he said, I'm the one who had the shit wrong because he was thinking, Ali, talk about I'm pretty. And he said, like you were saying, Glenn, earlier, nobody in the history of boxing had ever that that was totally not what you do, you know. But he said Ali. He said he said Foreman was a listing guy. He came out of a listing tree right. where your job is go out there and take motherfuckers out immediately. Right. And he said he said Ali comes out. He's thinking fifteen rounds. Right. He said nobody ever thought like that. He comes out. He's thinking fifteen, right. and that goes totally against everything, you know. And so it, it was just. His his hearing him talk, you know how Ali basically just totally turned his shit upside down, you know. Yeah. And and the piece I wrote about that I think was probably maybe the first time I really wrote an interpretive piece of journalism where you really, you know, you're taking a huge event and then somebody's reaction to that event who was on the wrong side of the event. And hearing him, and, but then he said, there, I know my point though, he was saying, yeah, but Ali, he said that, you know, this is going to take a toll on Ali's body because, you know, he said, you know, you could tell, he said, this is taking a toll on him. He said, when he goes to the bathroom, he's peeing blood. So Foreman understood then the toll, but also you understood that <laughs> if you're not really ready to make that kind of sacrifice, you're not beating Ali. <laughs> if you're not willing, <laughs> if you're not willing 
to to go to the end of the earth with your body, your mind. You ain't beating him. And Freight Foreman is thinking, I thought I was ready, but I wasn't ready. <laughs> you know. Right. So it was it was fascinating guy. Right, right, right. Well, um, uh, their uh, boxing also was. Um, there were, let me put it this way. I think back then I knew all the top boxers in the heavyweight, light heavyweight, middleweight um, uh, areas. Now, um, uh, I know there's a big welterweight fight tonight uh, on ESPN, but uh, boxing is not uh, uh, now what it was back then. It was a frontline sport then. It's probably, Bill, you can speak to this. Jamal, you can speak to this. Probably now because the other major sports are basically, or at least football and basketball, are dominated by African-American males. And baseball is dominated by Latino males. So a lot of these uh, young men who probably would have gone into boxing are now um, involved in other sports. Uh, but I also think society has become uh, more averse to uh, the beatings that these men take in right. these fights. Uh, and, and, and it has uh, diminished, that has also diminished the significance of boxing. Yeah. Uh, uh, these guys uh, pummel each other and it has a, has terrible lasting effects on these uh, young men. And it's like, as you were saying, Bill, uh, used to be, we used to love these great hits that these guys would take in the NFL. Now when it happens, you cringe. Exactly. You're worried and it's a, about And it's a penalty. Yeah. Yeah. So, speak, but is there, is there, is there an equivalent? Can you think it, is there an has there been an equivalent? No, there hasn't. But I mean, can you can you think of anything in the modern day or that could even possibly be the equivalent to that type of event? You know, it's a sporting event that has so that has so much on the line, even politically, as much. Yeah, I can, I can, uh, and and Bill can speak to this directly. Uh, my wife and I were trying to explain the other evening to my son about how uh, during the um, uh, uh, 80s, uh, the, the Georgetown basketball team, yeah. some of the games they had to yeah. yeah, the country stopped. And it stopped for two reasons. One, because Georgetown um, was a symbol to the, the African-American community and to progressive whites. Mm. Um, and Georgetown was also a symbol of disdain to those who were, um, shall we say, of a more con uh, conservative genre. Mm -hmm. And some of those games they had with St. John's, mm. uh, some of those Big East games, the world stopped. Some of the Jordan games with the, against the Knicks um, uh, really uh, were national treasures. Um, uh, uh, some of those games, uh, and you've had a couple Super Bowls, I think, which have uh, um, uh, been uh, big events. But uh, I would say the Georgetown uh, games, some of those Georgetown games, the country literally stopped uh, yeah. all. Um, and Bill was covering those, so he can speak to it. Yeah, I, 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 you're, you're, you're absolutely right. That, to me, almost comes close in retrospect. Yeah. Because you had this figure in John Thompson who was unapologetically black and an all-black team. Yeah. You know, with Patrick Ewing and all that, I think for those four years, they became, and because you had that, and that blackness put him four square against white supremacy, racism. It flushed it all out. And, and, and I think that I, we were having this conversation yesterday that I think that when we talk about this whole thing of black coaches and all that, what is needed in the NFL is, is when you have a black coach who is like Bill Belichick. When you've got a black coach who, who, who ascends to that level 
of dominance of five, six championships where, where the power structure and the broadcast and the meat has no, you have no option but to not cast this cat as this Genghis Khan or Xerxes or dominant figure. But when you just have a cat, maybe win one here or get to the champion, you know, you need to have, and the same thing with the quarterback. You've got when you've got a black quarterback that is as dominant as Tom Brady, this shit will disappear. Whatever issues we're having will disappear. When you've got a coach, a black head coach that becomes like Belichick or all whoever else they mention as these dominant forces, this shit will disappear. You know, all of a sudden it'll be okay. You know what I'm saying? When you look at the history of stuff. But to your point, Glenn, yeah, I think that, and that's why. The, those those Georgetown teams and George and John Thompson became sort of legendary because oh. you had this large and sharp black man who was a dominant figure and everything and he, had to go and, through him. And he was uh, uh, morally uh, upright. I mean, he right. he had these young men. They were they, he was requiring that they go to school. Bill, you said before how uh, trying to make contact with them was like trying to. Uh, get through an armed camp uh, and he was uh, uh, requiring these guys to graduate, requiring them in public to wear suits and ties. Um, he would, they were coming from one of the finest universities in the world and he was expecting them to act accordingly. And, uh, um, uh, uh, and, and there hadn't been uh, a successful African-American college basketball coach before them. Right. There, there were many who should have been, right. but there hadn't been. And so, um uh were the uh, losses were the two were that was that was that 85 <laughs> loss to Villanova and Ali's loss to Frazier were they similar in terms of the aftermath of of the of black people and and some progressive being devastated and then the 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 right wing being overjoyed was was there a similarity in that Villanova win and the Frazier win well I can speak to I, I was so uh, how about this I was so down after the loss uh to Villanova <laughs> that I was in, uh, oblivious to whatever anybody was saying but as I look back on it that night Jamal uh, uh Villanova shot 82 percent from the floor right I mean uh, and and Georgetown still almost won that game, so uh, uh, I don't. Uh, uh, you know, sometimes you just have to tip your hat uh, when somebody uh, beats you. And and they had played, uh, and Villanova didn't. Um, uh, uh, they weren't overwhelmed by Georgetown. They had played them uh, tough all that season, right. and they had a good team. And uh, um, but. Uh, uh, for me, as I said, I still think I only won that first fight. So, <laughs> so but but uh, uh, the 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 Villanova loss um, uh, was tough. But I looked at it this way: if this team is so great that the world uh, uh, is is thrilled or exalts in their in their defeat, then then this guy. Uh, Coach Thompson has really achieved uh, 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 greatly. He really has. Yeah. Um, uh, well, well, well let's, we're going to wrap it up because we could talk about all this stuff forever. And we, we will, like, next week when we come on. But uh, <laughs> this has been a – Glenn, man, this has been a great uh, great discussion just about Ali and the anniversary of that fight. But we talked about so much more than that. Mm. Um, you know, and the insight has been great. Uh, I'm glad you reminded me about going to the Civic Center with you <laughs> on March 8th, 1971. Ah, yeah, that that was a great was, night. It, it certainly was, Bill. I would yeah, love to, I would love I, to hear I, more I about that night. I'm, I'm amazed that you couldn't remember it. Yeah, I know. But you jogged my memory, Judge. <laughs> <laughs> that, that's, what, that's what the lawyers do. Don't you remember the night of March 8th, exactly. 1971? <laughs> exactly. exactly. Hey, no, but, uh, but uh, this, of course, everybody knows the great Glenn Woods, John Glenn, Judge Glenn Woods, uh, joining us from Connecticut. Of course, um, great Jamal Murphy, co-host, 
holding it down in uh, holding it down in Brooklyn with a great background. And, well, Jamal uh, Jamal does a great job. I I, I really uh, love his work, his efforts. He's got a fabulous future ahead of him. I wish he was sitting there with us that night in 1971 so he could confirm my beliefs i'm sure i'm sure i would have been right there with you i would have been saying it was, it was fraud you know there's no way there's no way they didn't want they didn't want ali to win i'm sure i would have been right there with you jamal i'm telling you i don't care what bill roden says those the, the decisions of those refs were political it was political. Well, I'm not now. Now, don't paint me. No, I'm not saying they were not political. <laughs> I, I'm not saying that. But it would be it would be great to get that fight and watch it round by round yeah. and score it round by round with no sound down, just to look at it again. You know, it's oh. funny. I know we got to go, but Bill, you know, it's funny when you say that. My only concern is that I know what happened to both of these guys in the later years. Yeah. And, 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 uh, uh, it was a great, it, the lead up to the event was massive and, and we didn't have ESPN. We didn't have social media and, uh, the lead up was huge. The night outside of the civic center was crazy. The, uh, the actual event did not let us down. I'm just saying the two lives were adversely affected as a result of uh, not primarily that fight, but all three of those fights. After those fights, those guys were never the same. Yeah. And we were very fortunate to have experienced both of them. Yeah, that, that's so eloquently said. I think you're right. I think we could all agree on that. After that fight, none, neither of their lives would, would ever be the same, right. their physical lives. All right, hey, well, Glenn Woods, this has been great. Jamal, great as usual. And to our hundreds of thousands of listeners, you know, hang in there. Spring is near, you know, spring, just hang in there. Spring. Yeah. Uh, you, oh yeah. I can tell by the sh snow shoveling I did this morning. <laughs> yeah. Well, yeah, but you know what it means. You listen, anybody's grow up in Northeast, you know, that's what it is. It gets to be really tough. Then one day, man, you know, it's just boom, spring. I hope, you know, the, I hope it booms pretty quickly. Well, I don't know if it's going to be overnight. We got another month or so. Yeah. Yeah. I'm just trying to be optimistic. <laughs> Within the pandemic and then winter and staying confined and all that, I think people just can't. There's good news and bad news about spring and summer because, you know, people are going to be like buck wild, you know, like you can't. You just we got to get out. You know, we got to hit the restaurants, the club, the bar, everything. Just effort. We got this clown out of office. You know, I mean, to me, that's my sense of liberation. You know, just thank God. Just get. I just felt a weight just getting rid of this cat, you know, not having to deal with that shit. I mean, yeah. and, and deal with it as a matter of law that he was legally there. Right. And having to see it every Out day. Way. Right. Yeah. Just have to see that shit every day and hear that stupid shit. And I think you begin to hear, this is another podcast, how <laughs> stupid, how stupid that shit was. I mean, just to appeal to just the most stupidest shit in people. Just the dumbest shit, <laughs> you know, knowing that you could just say the most stupidest shit and there's a group of people who are just, I'm like, come but on. No, those people are still there, okay? And there are well, still, they've always and there are been still there. politicians doing that. You know, still, yeah, but 50 percent of politicians are still doing that, unfortunately. Yeah, but but you don't have the main, uh, in the fucking White House. I mean, that, that's, no, no, you know, I agree you with you. I agree with you. A, well, I, they've always been there, though, Jamal. They've no. always been there. Or worse, You just probably. didn't have somebody right. on, on Pennsylvania Avenue say, so, oh, yeah, that shit is cool. Right. Oh yeah, that shit makes sense. Yep. You know, that's all I'm saying. You know, so anyway, another podcast for another time. <laughs> right. well, everybody, be careful. Hang in there. You know, spring will soon be here. And God bless. Thanks, Phil. All Thanks, right. Jamal. Peace. Thank Peace. you. Take care, guys. All right. You too.
Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube. You know when you're listening to a true crime story that has an unbelievable plot twist that makes you stop in your tracks? That's what our podcast, People Are the Worst, brings you with each episode. I'm Rachel. And I'm Rebecca. We're identical twins who love true crime cases that make you say, didn't see that coming, and we hate the people responsible for them. Listen to People Are the Worst now on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.